Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. I'm going to be preaching this morning from our Caught series. And uh, we're going to wrap that up today, I think. I think. I'm not making any promises, all right? Um, It's better for me not to do that because then I have to go back and apologize later if I change my mind. But we're continuing our series, Caught. Here's Here's the premise that I was caught by someone who was faithful enough to fish And now God has called me to be a fisherman and go out and catch someone. And so we have been talking about that over the last few weeks. And our series text is from Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. It says, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We're trying to follow the Lord. All right, all right, that's better. I I was scared at first, but... We are all trying to follow God and do what God is asking us to do. And in that process, he will make us into fishers of men. We're in our 641 project now. We've been asking you to pray and identify those that you want to go after and to invite to church. And we're asking you throughout this week and last week to invest in them through an act of kindness. And, uh, and I believe God is already at work in the lives of people and the hearts of people And we're excited to hear what God does through our Easter service and just through that outreach process in general. Today I want to preach to you from Luke chapter 10 verse 30. And uh, here's the background kind of of our text uh, before I read it. There's a teacher of the law. They've come to Jesus. They're asking him some questions. And the basic question that they're asking Jesus is, who is my neighbor? Who am I responsible for, God? Who am I supposed to be kind to? Who am I supposed to reach out to? And who am I supposed to care about? Luke chapter 10 verse 30 says, Jesus answered by telling a story. He said, there was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, went off leaving him half dead. Luckily a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him up onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on the way back. What do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man who who was attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar, responded. And Jesus said, Go and do the same. He said, go and do the same. Let's pray. Father, thank you today, God, for your spirit and your power. Thank you for your word. I pray that, God, you would just move in this place this morning, open our hearts and minds, help me to communicate these principles and thoughts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to pray, uh, preach this morning, sacrificial servants, sacrificial servants. Verse 30 says, Jesus answered this man by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and on his way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up and they went off leaving him half dead. Do you know this morning that there are a lot of people in our society 
who have been abused by society, they have been beat up by circumstance and situation, they have been left half dead, and some of them even fully dead this morning. There's some hurting people in our world. There's some hurting people in our community. There's some hurting people even in our church. And God is saying to us, look, we are responsible for reaching out to these people. We regularly encounter people who are hurt, people who are struggling, people who are facing difficulties in their life. We regularly come across them. And when we do, we find ourselves at an intersection of human need and a God opportunity. We find ourselves at the crossroads of human need and a God opportunity. God's mission has always been to fulfill the needs of humanity, to take care of their spiritual, their emotional, their physical needs and their social needs. uh, needs, All the needs that they have has been dealt with in the mission of Christ. And when we find ourselves at that place, we find ourselves having an opportunity to express Jesus Christ in the situation. At this intersection, we are given a choice to be used by God or not. And so my first point is very simple this morning is that God wants to use you. God wants to use you today. God wants to use each and every one of us that are in this room to make an impact on someone's life. God desires to use us in these intersections to demonstrate His power and His love in the situation. He will work transformation. He will work healing. He will work restoration. And He will set this person on a track towards life change. But He will not do those things without His people. And He does not do them apart from us. He does them through us. He places us in those intersections full of His power, full of His presence, full of the ability to actually do something about the problems that we run across in life. He won't do it without us. His power, provision, transformation, and His healing always flows through us. They do not flow in this earth apart from us. So what are you going to do when you find yourself at this intersection? Every day, you probably find yourself at least in some small intersection such as this where there's an opportunity to just say a kind word, to throw a lifeline to someone who's struggling, to care for them and to actually maybe just listen to what they're going through in their situation, in their life. So what are we going to do when we find ourselves in these places? Let's look at what some of the others did in the text. Let's go on to verse 31. It says, luckily a priest... Thank God. Aren't you glad? Thank God. This poor man, beaten, half dead, left for dead. And luckily there is a priest that comes along to work in the situation. Was on his way, it says, down the same road. But. Well, this would have been a good story if it had just ended with luckily a priest was on his way down the same road. But it didn't end that way. There's a little conjunction here that that changes the whole direction of the thought pattern. He says, but wouldn't it be nice if the priest could get his, this but out of the way? But he can't. And so when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. He angled across the other side. Well... Let's see who else is in the picture here. Then a Levite, religious man, showed up. And he doesn't even get a conjunction. He just goes on to tell his end of his story. He also avoided the injured man too. So let's talk about these two guys for a moment. A priest sees him but angles off to the other side. A Levite shows up and avoids the problem altogether. A priest 
and a Levite. The Levite, just so you understand, is probably a temple assistant. He's not a priest, he's not... Um, he's not a chief priest or anything of that nature, but he is a, a person that is probably an assistant to the priest. So he, he is very familiar with church, in other words. He's, he's very involved in church. And so, so both the priest who is leading the church and a Levite who is helping in the church, they see this problem, and instead of dealing with the problem, one angles to the other side, one avoids it altogether. The Bible is clear here that both of these men keep their distance. One crosses to the other side, the other avoids him. My question to you is why? Think about it. I mean, I can understand, we understand why they didn't help because they didn't want to help. They didn't want to get involved, so we understand that. But why angle across to the other side? Why avoid the man altogether? I mean, he's half dead, right? He's not going to jump up and kick him or anything like that and stop him from moving down the road. And so what's the reason that this priest, instead of just walking by and ignoring the guy, decides to angle across to the other side so that he is away from him? Why is that? Who's there to judge them? Who's there to watch them? The Bible records that no one else is around. And so this is really an issue that they are dealing with personally. The half-dead half guy can't do anything to them, so why do they feel the need to cross over and avoid him altogether? Avoidance and distance make it easier for us to ignore the needs around us, don't they? Avoidance and distance make it easier for us to ignore the needs around us. And this brings me to my second point, and that is don't avoid or ignore the opportunities that God gives you. These are God-given opportunities. There are opportunities when we can show and care for people in our lives that we come across. Why did they avoid these opportunities? Because it, Perhaps because it was... Even though that there was no one else around, it was just easier for them to ignore the need by looking away and moving away, focusing their attention on a different part of the road and pretending not to see the need that is in front of them. Even though there is no one there, it still requires some convincing for me not to do the things that I know to do. You have to convince and justify yourself in these situations. The priest and the Levite had to convince and justify themselves as to why they weren't stopping and meeting the need of the person that was right in front of them. And every one of us, when we are faced with needs and we find ourselves at that intersection of life where human need is being addressed or having the opportunity to be addressed by, by God's working in our lives, we have the choice to make whether or not we are going to actually stop and deal with the situation or if we're going to cross over on the other side or avoid it altogether. Amen. Many of us don't ask because we really don't want to know. We don't ask how so-and-so is doing in our office because we're afraid they might just tell us. Right? And I, and I listen, I'll be the first one to admit that there's some people... You can ask them that question 5,000 times and every, every time they're going to give you a, a terrible woe is me answer. And so I'm not referring to that. But you know when a person has a genuine need and they're going through a genuine, genuine crisis, it is the duty of the church to make a difference in that situation. Amen. The Bible tells us that he who knows to do right does not do it. To him it is a sin. Distance and avoidance are always great allies in making the wrong choices. Distance and avoidance are always great allies in making the wrong choice. 
on the street, you would look at this priest and this Levite and you would think, well, they're spiritually strong. They've got to be. They're a priest. They're a temple assistant. They're working in the church. Because of the role they play, we would assume that they are spiritually strong. The problem is that their worship ended when they left the building. Their worship ended when they left the building. Do you not think that week in, week out, one was up there telling people about what we're supposed to do and the other one was facilitating how that was getting told? And yet their worship ended as soon as they walked out the door. Jesus means nothing to the world out there if he stops at our doors. It means nothing to a person that's broken and hurting if he's never shared with them, if his love is never demonstrated with them, if, he's never, if they're never reached out to with the love and genuineness of Jesus Christ, it means nothing. And if our worship stops at the door, then we're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. We can't avoid and ignore the opportunities that God gives us. Let's move on. Luke 10 verse 33. Samaritan traveling the road came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the scholar responded. And Jesus said, Go and do the same. When we meet needs, we break down barriers. When we meet needs, we break down all sorts of barriers. And when we avoid them or walk by them on the other side, we reinforce the barriers. We're either, it's like I've preached to you, we're either nudging people towards Christ or we're nudging them away from Christ. And that's the bottom line. We're either being salt in their life or we're not being salt in their life. We're either flavoring their situation towards God or we're tainting it with a negativity that the world doesn't need more of. Verse 33, it says, A Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Verse 34, he gives him first aid. He disinfects the wounds. He bandages the wounds. And then it says here in verse 34, Then he lifted him onto his donkey and led him to an inn, made him comfortable. Before he could lift the man onto the donkey, he had to get off of his donkey. And so my third point this morning is get off your donkey. (laughs) Amen. Because that's really the issue a lot of times. It's not that we are not aware and we don't see the needs. We're just not willing to get off our donkey to do anything about it. Two things that I want to point out to you from this portion of Scripture. First of all, he lifted him onto his donkey. That means he had to get off of his donkey to do that. And so the first thing is he had to get off his high horse before someone else could get lifted up. Sometimes the only thing that's needed is for us to get off our high horse so that we can lift somebody up. Well, they made their bed. They can lie in it. They got that situation started. They can finish it. They can figure it out themselves. I didn't mess them up and I'm not getting involved. Well, maybe you ought to get off your high horse because there may be a time when you find yourself in a role reversed and you're the one in desperate need. Humility is a good guide for us and so it's good for us to get off our high horse. Maybe we are proud and confident in what we already do that we miss what we could do or should do. 
You know, I'm always amazed that when we provide someone with an opportunity or there's an opportunity that comes their way, how quick we are to list the things that we're already doing. Well, yeah, but I'm already doing this and I'm already doing that. I come to church, I go to Sunday school, I do this, I drive the bus, I do all these things. But what about the opportunity that's in front of you? Pastor, I teach Sunday school. Pastor, I'm on the worship team. Pastor, I'm a board member. Those are great, but my questions to you are simple. When is the last time you were instrumental in someone coming to Christ? Because I'm sure the Levite could say to Jesus if he was standing in front of him, look, hey, every week I get out the stuff so we can have service. I make sure I open the doors. I make sure the doors are, are, are a dog so that everybody can get in. I make sure the coffee's made, and I'm doing all these things. But Jesus is saying, look, what are you doing with the need that's right in front of you, though? Because all of those things are good and all of those things are important and all of those facilitate the needs of the church. But listen, at the end of the day, if we're not touching the lives of the people that are right in front of us, what are we really doing? And that's what it really boils down to. When is the last time you actually stopped to show Christ's love and do something for someone else? The second thing I see from here is for him to get the man on his donkey, he had to get off his donkey, like I already said. He didn't just sit on his donkey and talk about what needed to be done. Boy, you look like you're in a bad situation down there. Sure look like you could use some bandaging. Sure, like, sure looks like you could use some help. Boy, I bet you wish somebody would come along and do something for you. He didn't just sit up on his donkey and talk about it. He actually got off of it and did something about it. Now this is the one time I wish I was using the King James Version to preach to you because the King James uses a different word here than donkey that might make the point more clear. <laughs> so what I'm challenging you to do this morning is get off your donkey and actually do something to meet somebody's need. Amen. Thank God we're sanctified in here, amen. <laughs> you actually may have to get off your high horse, get up off your donkey and facilitate the meeting of a need yourself. Yourself. I mean, he could have easily sat on the donkey and said, hey, I'm going to go down to the church and I'm going to tell them what's going on in your life and hopefully they'll send somebody to take care of it. Being a friend rather than just being friendly requires you to slow down, take notice and respond. These three things right here are the keys to winning people. You want to know the secret to winning people? You want to know the secret to making a difference in people's lives? I'm going to give you the three, the three ways right here. Slow down, take notice, and respond. If you slow down, slow enough where you actually can see what's going on around you and, and take notice to those needs and then respond to them, you, you will win people over and over and over again because that's all they're looking for is someone who will really express what it, being in a relationship with Jesus is all about. Busyness, the problem with us is busyness always trumps kindness. And that's what we get into is that busyness will trump kindness every time. Well, I'm in a hurry. Well, I've got this to do. Well, I've got this agenda. Well, I'm on my way to meet. And busyness will always trump kindness if we're not careful. The more intentionally we slow down, the more we're going to see. And I'm just going to say this this morning, that spiritual maturity is best illustrated by a willingness to act in opposition to your natural inclination. 
me say it again. Spiritual maturity is best illustrated by a willingness to act in opposition to your natural inclination. What is natural for you to do? It's natural for you to cross over to the other side, pretend that you didn't see that so that you don't have to get messy and involved. You can bet that the Samaritan didn't come away unscathed. He's helping this man. He's, now he's sweaty. Now he's bloody. Now he's got the stench of this man's situation on his own life. And now his whole situation has changed because he stopped, he slowed down, he took notice, and he responded. And you can expect the same thing to happen. When we stop and slow down, take notice, and respond to people's needs, yes, we're going to be inconvenienced sometimes. But that is, the, that is the hallmark of spiritual maturity. When we're willing to stop and not do what is natural but to do what is unnatural, what is uncommon, and what is different from what the world would normally do in a situation. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Slow down and get off of your donkey and see what God will not do in your life. Luke 10, verse 34. He gave him first aid, disinfected, bandaged the wounds, lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, made him comfortable, paid for the situation, and then goes on to say, if it costs any more, put it on my bill, I'll pay you on the way back. My fourth point is this, that we have to serve them and we have to serve them sacrificially. If we're going to reach out to people with God's love, then we have to be about the business of sacrificially serving others. All of us, myself included, are not good at sacrifice. We are too comfortable. We have too many benefits. We have too many perks. We have too many comforts. And we're not good at giving those things up and being sacrificial and and doing the things that God is asking us to do. Serving others is an essential part of spiritual growth because it breaks the control of self-centeredness in your life. If you want to grow and if you want to be spiritually mature, listen, you're going to have to serve others because that's the only way you get rid of self-centeredness. The cure for selfishness is serving others. That's it. That's the only cure for selfishness. How many of you think that our world is eat up with selfishness? And what's sad is that the church is almost equally eat up with selfishness. Why? Because we have turned inward instead of focusing outward and we are not serving anybody except ourselves. And we are infected with selfishness. If you don't take steps to intentionally shift to an others-centered way of thinking, then you are your own natural inclinations will always cause your focus to drift back toward yourself every single time. If I'm not actively engaged in the process of doing something for someone else, then I will suddenly and slowly drift back to the fact that everything I do is about me and I'm only taking care of what I've got to take care of. In the case of the priest and Levite, both of these men had become okay with just talking about serving others than actually doing it. And I say to us today, shame on the church and shame on the river if we are content to talk about serving others and not actually do anything about it. I don't believe that's who we are. I don't believe that's in any way, shape, or form what we do. But I'm just saying we've got to caution ourselves because the natural flow of things is to become self-centered and self-focused. It's easy for us to stay busy and be involved in a lot of things, but that doesn't mean they are the right things. We allow urgent parts of our lives 
to crowd out the parts we would really say are more important. Well, that's more important, but this I've got to take care of right now. And we let the urgent parts of our lives crowd out those things that are most important. Over time, we become fairly comfortable with the discrepancy discrepancy between our supposed values and our actions. If I was to give a poll this morning and say, do you believe that evangelism and winning people to the Lord is important? There's not a person in this room that would say no. But when it comes out to actually where the rubber meets the road, there is a discrepancy between those who say yes and those who actually do something about it. And I'm saying it's important for us in this year, in 2015, that we narrow the discrepancy field. Serving others sacrificially will require that I am willing to be inconvenienced. It requires that I am willing to be inconvenienced. You are usually going somewhere when you discover a need. Rarely are you not going somewhere when you discover a need. The Samaritan was obviously going somewhere. He was obviously on a journey. He was going somewhere to do something. But he was willing to serve sacrificially. His sacrifice is not just about his money and energy and time, but it is also about his laying aside his agenda. If we never serve anybody when it's inconvenience, then we'll never serve anybody. If you never serve anybody when it's inconvenient, you'll never serve anybody. It rarely lines up with your schedule. It rarely works into your your daily plan. I've yet to see anybody's daily planner that had parts in it where it said, oh yeah, I've got to serve so-and-so at this particular juncture. It doesn't happen that way. And so if we're going to serve people, we've got to be willing to be inconvenienced. The last point is this. And I mentioned this a little bit last week. Do what you can with what you have. Maybe as a priest and Levite, They're walking by as they make their way to the other side of the road. They send out a nice, I'll be praying for you. Praying for you. God bless you. Hope it works out for you. Maybe that helped them feel better about the situation and the decision they made, but it wasn't the best they could do. And I I am 100% believer in prayer I believe that prayer has the power to change things but I also believe that just saying I'll be praying for you is just a weak way of saying I really don't want to be inconvenienced by you I really don't want to be bothered with this situation right now so I'll pray for you pray for them yes but what's the best you can do in that situation how can you make a positive difference in the situation all of us see a need and feel pity If we don't, we're we're hard-hearted and we got bigger problems. But that's not the best we can do. We can make a positive difference in every situation. James 2.14, reading from the Message Bible, says, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? That's good. 
And it is outrageous nonsense. I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk about changing our community anymore. I want to do it. I, I don't want to talk about meeting people's needs anymore. I want to do it. I, I don't want to talk about how we can uh, win people to Christ. Let's do it. Being compassionate isn't about having sympathy and hoping the situation will improve. Compassion rolls up its sleeves and does what it can to change things for the better. Meeting a need requires intentionality. I have to make it a priority and intentionally embrace an attitude of being fully ready to serve. The more I embrace this attitude, the more opportunities God gives me to show His love. So I'm just challenging you to make serving others a part of your daily routine. Every day, I'm going to serve someone in some way. If it's just an act of, uh, of kind words, if it's just covering someone's lunch, or if it's just going and getting their lunch for them, or there's so many things that we could do that just show in little tangible ways that we love people and God loves them too. And I'm challenging you to do that. Miss Amber, would you come to the piano this morning? So here's the challenge today is to live as sacrificial servants, to find the half-dead and touch their lives with some demonstration of Christ's love because they're everywhere. God wants to use you, so don't avoid or ignore those opportunities. He gives you just, that He gives you. Just get off your donkey, serve sacrificially, and do the best you can with what you have. It's really kind of simple. Would you stand with me across this place this morning? Miss April, would you bring those cards up? These, these cards are our 641 project cards. And I'm just going to ask April to lay them across the, the front of these altar areas. These are the ones that we have filled out that have people's names on them. Uh, people that we're going to reach out to, that we're going to touch. And I'm going to ask in just a moment the church to come forward. And we're just going to pray over these needs, over these names. And we're going to ask God to help us to reach out to these people, to touch their lives in some way that marks them and changes them and draws them closer to Christ. I just want to ask this morning, are these going to be names on a card and that's all they're going to be? Or are they going to be lives that we actually touch? Because it's easy for us to get these cards, put names on them, drop them in the offering, or turn them in and never think another thing about them. And so are they going to just be names on cards or are they going to be lives that matter this morning? I believe they're lives that matter. Are they just going to be people that we recognize as needing Christ and people we would like to see in church? Are they going to be people that we do the best we can for? Are we going to get off our donkeys this morning and serve them sacrificially? Are we priests and Levites whose worship starts, stops here at this building, or are we Samaritans who worship beyond the boundaries of this building? And so if you're here this morning, you'll say to God, not to me, to God this morning, I will do the best I can in the opportunities that you give me. Then I'm going to ask you to come into these altars and join me up here in the front today. Would you come? Amen. Now you can... Look down and you can see maybe some names that are on those cards and maybe you can't. It doesn't matter. God knows every name that's been written down. 
So today we're going to pray over them. We're going to do that part. And then I'm going to challenge you to go out of here and to do something that would impact these lives in a big way. Join me as we pray. Father, I thank you today, God, for the names. Lord, you've placed these on people's hearts. You have, you have called us, Lord, to reach out to them. You have, you have laid them on our minds and on our hearts this morning, God. And, and you have challenged us, Lord, to reach out to them. And today, God, I ask that you would help us to do something beyond that. Lord, that our faith would be put into action. That, our, that, our, that, our, that we would act upon this, these opportunities, God, and actually do something that demonstrates your love and compassion. Lord, I thank you this morning for a church that desires more of you, that desires to seek you, that desires to go after you, that desires to please you, Father. And God, today, I pray that you would help us to do the very best that we could. That God, in every situation, that we would be light and we would be salt. That God, we would be the the nudge that pushes them towards you. That God, we would be people that do the most loving thing we can do in every situation. Father, all of these things you have spoken to us, you have challenged us with, God. And I pray that, Lord, we would move beyond the hearing of your word and get into the doing of your word, Father. I believe I've got some doers in the house today, God. That, Lord, this altar is full of people who are willing to become doers of your word this morning. If you're a doer today, would you just call out to him and say, God, help me. God, give me strength. Give me, give me passion. Give me drive. Give me a willingness. Show me, God. Help me to slow down, notice, and respond. Help me, God, to be aware of where you're at work and these intersections in life that, 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 that are human needs meeting God opportunities. Father, I pray, God, that you would help us. Move us, Father, as a group of people to be the best we can for the Burt Burnett area. For every church in this area, God, let us build every single one of them. Let let us, God, be the catalyst that fills every church and every house of worship in this region, Father. Let us win souls for the kingdom of God today, God. Lord, that is all that matters this morning. Hallelujah. We praise you. This is your last week to do your acts of kindness as far as our 641 projects. It's not your last week to do acts of kindness in general. I hope you continue that. But I want this to become a culture in our church, not something we do uh, for a distinct time and period, but it's something that is ongoing. It just becomes who we are. And I believe that this is the year that it takes hold. And so I'm asking you to be those people that cause it to take hold. I'm asking you to be the culture established in our church that changes this community. You have the power to do it. It's in your hands. It's in your hands. We're going to give you tools. We're going to give you all the things that we can to make you effective in this area. But look, it's just real simple. Love people and love God. And if you do those two things well, you can't help but win people to Christ. Amen. Amen. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burt Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us after Rick.